What's up everybody, GenX Dividend Investor here. In this video I'm going to share some common misconceptions about dividend investing in hopes to educate people as well as encourage more folks to invest. So if you appreciate videos like this and you aren't Norman Bates then please hit the thumbs up button, subscribe if you haven't yet and click that bell notification. Note I'm not a professional wealth manager so don't take anything I say as financial advice. Now I recently got a comment from a subscriber that said, if a stock drops 50% they probably aren't going to be giving away money as a dividend to investors. That comment kind of reminds me of a recurring conversation I have with my dad. I talk to him almost every day on the phone and he often asks me how the market is doing. He's always surprised whenever I answer, I don't know, let me check, because his sense is that people who invest in the market must be watching stock prices every second. I've explained to him multiple times that one of the things I like about buy and hold dividend investing is that you don't need to be glued to the market. Anyways, when the market is down for the day he'll often ask me how badly my dividends got hit, at which point I reiterate that another nice thing about dividends is that your income doesn't change just because stocks go up or down. Not understanding that concept is a common misconception of people who don't understand dividends. The amount a company pays out in dividends basically only changes if their board of directors decides to change it. What does change is stock prices change is yield, because dividend yield is just how much they pay out in the dividends in a year, divided by the current stock price, so as stock prices change, so does the yield of those stocks. But if you buy some shares, then the bottom part of the yield formula no longer changes since your prices are locked in. Let's look at some data to prove that even if a stock drops 50%, that many companies keep paying dividends, starting with McDonald's, the company I'm long in. Here we see that McDonald's was $48 a share in 1999 but then it fell down to $13 a share in 2003. That means McDonald's fell around 70% over that time frame. But even though their stock price was tanking, McDonald's increased their dividend each year. As most of you know, McDonald's is part of the Dividend Aristocrat Club, which basically means that they've increased their dividend every year for at least 25 consecutive years, and in McDonald's case we're talking 45 years in a row. That means through all the stock market crashes since I've been alive, as well as through multiple wars and even in this pandemic. Sometimes people think a falling stock price means the company must be performing worse, and that's not always the case. Thus, in the short term, a company's stock price doesn't necessarily reflect how the company is doing. Over the long run, a stock's price tends to follow how the company performs, but the price can be way over or way under what a company's intrinsic value is at any point in time, and can remain that way for years. In the time frame I just showed you, McDonald's stock fell during the dot-com crash, even though they weren't a classic dot-com company. But McDonald's of the business kept doing well. They kept selling more burgers and drinks and opening locations and such. And that's why they kept paying dividends and in fact were increasing them, i.e. because people were still buying their yummy products regardless of what was happening to their stock price. That's how good companies can keep paying dividends even if their stock price falls 50%. How about Aflac, a company I'm not long in? They were at $33 a share in 2008 before the banking crash, but then fell down to $8 in 2009. That's right, $8. That means their stock fell 75%, but they kept paying out and increasing their dividend. How about a more recent example? Let's look at Chevron, another stock I'm long in. Chevron hit $121 last year. Then it crashed down to $59 later that year. That's a 50% drop in just two months but they continued paying dividends and raising them. Let's do a simple example. If you have 10 shares of McDonald's and each share pays you $1.38 of dividends every three months, then each quarter you're getting $13.80 deposited into your brokerage whether McDonald's shoots up to $500 a share or if it falls down to $5 a share. 
Of course, it's not guaranteed that McDonald's, or any company, will pay their dividend. Thus, another misconception is that all dividends are guaranteed. There are no guarantees in investing. AT&T has raised their dividend for decades, but recently came out and said that they plan to cut it if the Warner Discovery spin-off merger happens. Heck, if this pandemic had kept getting worse, then McDonald's might have decided that they couldn't pay dividends until it was over. That's part of the reason why you want a diverse portfolio, so that no single company or event can break you. Even great companies sometimes stop paying a dividend. Look at Disney. The pandemic hit and they started focusing on streaming content more and ultimately decided that long term it was better for shareholders if they drove their cash flow into adding more content rather than paying out a dividend. That leads me to a similar misconception, which is that dividend stocks are always safe. The reality is that investing of any kind has aspects of risk to it, including the fact that even solid companies can go under. Or if not go under, still perform poorly. Look at GE. At one point in time, it was considered a great dividend stock to own, but it fell out of favor and eventually stopped paying a dividend. Or Enron. Due to lying executives who cooked their books, the company and their dividends went kaput, even though at one time they were darlings of the industry. That being said, I'd say that in general, dividend stocks tend to be safer than others because most of the companies don't pay dividends until they've been around for a while, and that staying power is a good sign, though still not a guarantee. Tied to the misconception that dividend stocks are always safe is one that says dividend stocks are boring. My counter to that is to look at some examples. Is Apple a boring company? Is Microsoft? Dividend companies often have the best balance sheets, like the two companies I just mentioned. Is it boring to get dividend hikes? Is it boring when your dividends come in? That leads me to another common misconception of dividends, which is that they're only for boomers. While there is some truth that wise older folks often invest in dividends, these days as more people get exposed to dividend passive income potential, we are seeing more younger investors jump on board. Older investors often rely on cash flow from investments or from pensions or social security to pay their bills, rather than have wage income so they usually aren't as focused on total returns from their investments as they are on a low-stress, simple lifestyle that pays the bills and keeps them ahead of inflation. Thus, dividend stocks are great for older investors. All age ranges want capital preservation, which is why Buffett said the first rule of investing is not to lose money, and the second rule is not to lose money. So older investors often stay with large established companies, whereas it's common to see young people focus investing in smaller, newer companies. And that brings me to another misconception, which is that dividend stocks can't be growth stocks. The reality is that there are dividend stocks with big growth, like Apple or Microsoft, and there are companies like utilities which aren't known for their growth. That is a bit like another misconception, which is that you can't find companies with good growth and good dividends, which is wrong. Look at AbbVie, a company I'm long in. AbbVie spun off from Abbott around 9 years ago, but has averaged a 19.5% annual return as compared to the S&P 500, which has averaged 15.7% per year over the same time frame. So its growth has been awesome. It also has a strong dividend that's at 4.65% as compared to the S&P 500, which is only at 1.3% right now. So AbbVie is an example of good growth and good dividends. And that helps explain why it's a misconception when people say that young people should only invest in non-dividend stocks, which some people call growth stocks. My answer to that is that younger investors should focus on investing in whatever enables the best total returns, regardless if it has a dividend or not. That doesn't mean they can't invest in lower growth dividend stocks, it just means they should be aware of the trade-offs that they're making if they do so. A related misconception is that non-dividend growth stocks have better returns than dividend stocks. For a nuanced answer, I recommend you watch my video called Are Dividend Stocks Better, where I show you returns of dividend stocks compared to non-dividend stocks over differing periods of time, 
And while there are some periods where non-dividend stocks outperform, for the majority of history it's dividend stocks that have outperformed. This was statistically proven in a study from RBC Capital that came to the conclusion that dividend stocks outperformed non-dividend stocks over the last 35 years in Canada. This was also proven by Hartford Financials, who concluded that companies that grew or initiated a dividend have experienced the highest returns relative to other stocks. Ned Davis Research analyzed the S&P 500 over the last 50 years and found that dividend-growing stocks had an average annualized return of 12.9%, as compared to the overall S&P 500 at 12.3% and non-dividend stocks at 10.9%. Of course, remember that historical performance does not guarantee future results, and remember that there are some periods in history where non-dividend stocks, on average, outperformed. And you can always find stocks that don't fit the averages. Okay, another common misconception about dividends is that if some yield is good, then more yield must be better. It's very common for me to find new dividend investors focusing on high yield. They literally just look at the yield and roll the bones and hit buy without actually researching the company. If you do that, then you aren't investing, you're just speculating. There's a saying amongst investors which is don't chase yield. That basically means don't just invest in things blindly because their yield is higher. There is often a correlation between higher yield and higher risk. While that is a simplified way to look at things, it's generally true, though it doesn't tell you everything. Low yield can be high risk, and higher yield can be low risk. There's always edge cases. But I'm just talking in generalities. Higher risk often means higher rewards and higher loss. Okay, let's move on. Another misconception I sometimes hear is that dividends won't keep up with inflation. The reality is that some companies' dividend hikes will beat inflation, and others won't, and that can change over time. Companies raise the prices of their products, which can sometimes be part of the reason inflation goes up. Their goal is to charge more so that their revenue and earnings go up, but not so much so that people stop buying. Then as earnings go up, they often raise their dividend, sometimes more than inflation. If you look at the increase of many dividend aristocrats and kings, you'll see how they outpaced inflation on average. Of course, your dividends are just one aspect of your returns. If you want to calculate your total potential returns, then look at your unrealized stock appreciation gains, or losses, added to your total dividends received. So I found it useful to compare your dividend increases relative to inflation, as well as total potential returns relative to inflation. Each is a slightly different view of things. Okay, another misconception I see from newer dividend investors is the belief that all dividends are taxed the same way. That's not the case. You might want to learn the differences in dividend taxation between real estate investment trusts and qualified dividends and master limited partnerships, as well as differences between federal taxes and state taxes, and how international stocks might be taxed. Don't worry if you're clueless to all that, just start googling and watching videos and slowly things will make sense. Another misconception I hear is that people think that companies shouldn't pay dividends because it slows down growth. In my experience, the answer is sometimes yes and sometimes no. Do you think that Apple has sat on over $100 billion in cash because they want to limit their growth? No, it's because throwing money to innovate doesn't automatically mean growth. Being prudent with how you spend your money makes more financial sense. Focusing on key projects to drive the type of growth you want makes sense. So in the early part of a company's life, it often makes sense to funnel cash to grow the business. But once they are mature and competitors are all over and opportunities for high growth have diminished, I think it's prudent for a company to carefully allocate capital only to those projects where it thinks it can get high returns, and then give the rest of the cash back to shareholders. Why would I want a management team to force cash into projects that they didn't think would garner high returns? The last thing I want to own is a bloated company that runs like the government, just throwing cash here and there without diligence, based on what makes the most noise, not where it's actually most needed. In my experience, paying dividends puts another fire under management to ensure they can keep paying shareholders, because they know their stock will get nailed if they don't pay. 
This extra heat can often enable fiscal prudence. Okay, let's move on. Another common misconception about dividends is understanding when they pay out relative to when you invest. The simple answer is if you purchase a stock before its ex-dividend date, you get the dividend. The ex-dividend date for stocks is usually set one business day before the record date. If you purchase a stock on its ex-dividend date or after, you will not receive the next dividend payment. Instead, the seller gets the dividend. Part of the reason for time lag is that it often takes a day for the trade to settle. Shareholders who properly registered their ownership on or before the record date should receive the dividend. Registration in most countries is essentially automatic for shares purchased before the ex-dividend date. For context, when a company decides to declare a dividend, its board of directors establishes a record date. This is the date when a person must be on the company's record as a shareholder to receive the dividend payment. Once the record date is set, the ex-dividend date is also set according to the rules of the stock exchange on which the stock is traded. This usually means the exit date is one business day before the record date. Okay, another misconception I've seen is that some people think that if the stock market goes down, then everyone invested in the stock market must be hurting. That's often not the case for dividend investors. Dividend investors know that their snowball grows fast when the market is flat or crashes because their dividends can buy even more dividends than when the market goes up. There aren't too many assets I can think of where the investor wins in each market condition. Stock prices go up, dividend investors win as their portfolio value goes up, and their cash flow keeps trending up due to dividend hikes. Stock prices go sideways or down, dividend investors win as their dividends buy even more dividends and as their cash flow keeps going up faster. Awesome. Okay, another misconception I sometimes hear is that dividends are bad due to taxes. Now, there is a lot of nuance to taxes, but there are often two key arguments people bring up when they say dividends have bad taxation. The first argument is that a company gets taxed on their revenue, and then if they give you a dividend, then you are effectively getting taxed again. I don't feel that argument holds much weight, because most major corporations have armies of accountants and lawyers and lobbyists and etc. working for them to minimize their taxes, which is why US corporations tend to have much lower effective tax rates than most of their employees. Apple has a median effective tax rate of less than 16% over the last few years. Amazon is even lower at 12%. The average worker in the US is around 22%. Regardless, I'm still getting extra dividend cash into my bank once it passes through the company's hands. So that leads to the second argument, which is that you have less control over your capital gains as compared to non-dividend stocks, which you can sell for income when you need it, as opposed to be forced to get income based on when the dividend is paid out. That has some merit, but that reminds me of saying that you don't want rental income because it comes in every month, even if you don't need it, and so instead you'd rather just sell houses so you can control when you get the cash. Anyways, beyond all that, you can just hold your dividends in retirement accounts, so you don't really have to worry about taxes at all. And if you hold qualified dividends in a taxable account, then your taxation is still better than wage income, so the bad taxes argument just doesn't work for me. Mind you, this is coming from someone who has actually been living on dividends for over a year to pay all his bills, so this isn't me telling you something based on what I've heard from others on YouTube or what I've researched online, it's what I'm actually doing and experiencing. That doesn't mean you should blindly listen to me or even what I say is always correct. Like I've said, a married couple can make over $100,000 a year in qualified dividend income and not pay a dime in federal taxes. You call that bad? A dividend dollar is way more powerful than a wage dollar. Okay, let's move on. Another interesting misconception is that some people don't see the point of investing in dividend companies since a dividend stock price gets reduced by the amount of the dividend when it's paid out. I'm not sure that paints a complete picture of things. It's true that a dividend stock price is affected down by its dividend on the X date, not the pay date. But, per Investopedia, because investors know that they'll receive a dividend if they purchase the stock before the X dividend date, they are willing to pay a premium. 
This often causes the price of a stock to increase in the days leading up to the ex-dividend date. And in general, the increase is about equal to the amount of the dividend, with the actual price change fluctuating based on market activity. Let me restate that so it really sinks in. In general, dividend stock prices get pushed up due to buying it at an amount that is roughly equal to how much the stock price gets pushed down due to the dividend payout. And if that's true, then why does that happen? Well, probably because of market psychology. If a company has a history of paying a dividend and the market feels the company will continue to generate enough cash flow to keep paying one, then knowing stock prices drop by the dividend could cause enough extra buyers to prop it up beforehand to ultimately cancel things out. But that doesn't mean a dividend is free money. When companies pay a dividend, it normally lowers the cash on their balance sheet, and thus it lowers the equity value of the company. And my guess is that market psychology gets even more complicated when we're talking about one-time big dividend payouts, to the point that you can't game the market and consistently predict things. Thus, the dividend capture strategy won't always work, which itself is another misconception. Okay, another misconception I've seen from some new investors is that it's smart to invest in cheaper dividend stocks because then they can invest less money to get into them and then as their market price changes they can make more. Like I've seen some folks in my Discord ask for suggestions of stocks that are under $10 that they could invest in. When that happens we usually try to help that person understand that they probably need to rethink things a bit. That's kind of the penny stock mindset, which is used by speculators, not investors. Stocks are often cheap for a reason. That's not always the case, but often. The best strategy to increase your odds of success are to go with quality stocks that are on sale. If you can't afford a $50 quality stock because you only have $10 to invest, then use a brokerage that allows you to fractionally buy. If no brokerage that you have access to allows fractional buys, then keep accumulating cash until you have enough to buy a full share of a good company, rather than sacrifice and buy a cheap, crappy one. Okay, cool. I hope you enjoyed learning about common misconceptions I've seen about dividends. Now I want to quickly tell you that M1 has a special $50 referral bonus when new people open a brokerage account per their requirements. The way it works is you click on my M1 referral link in the description of this video and then either open a brokerage account and fund it with $100 or open a retirement account and fund it with $500, deposits which need to happen within 30 days of you opening the account. Then you need to keep your initial deposit inside the new account for 30 days from the date of deposit to get the free $50. This promotion runs until 2022, at which point I'm guessing they'll probably offer $10 or something. It's basically free money, so consider starting that new growth or dividend portfolio that you've been thinking about. Now I'd like to shout out my latest Patreon aristocrats who have recently signed up. So thank you Terry G. Thank you Stark. Thank you Tareens G. And thank you JPaisa73. Aristocrats gain access to my dividend portfolio tracker spreadsheet, along with access to multiple private channels on my Discord, including one where I let people watch my videos before I release them to the public, as well as I often let you vote on which thumbnails I use for my new videos. I recommend that everyone join my free dividend Discord investing chat server, which has thousands of people on it from around the world. Finally, if you appreciate free videos like this and you aren't Hans Gruber, then please hit the thumbs up button, subscribe if you haven't yet, and click that bell notification. Thanks for watching and clicking the like button, stay positive, and I'll talk to you again real soon. I am not a financial advisor, and these videos are for entertainment, inspiration, and educational purposes only. Investing of any kind involves risk. I am only sharing my opinion with no guarantee of gains or losses on investments.